0: health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 81 of Intuitive Bites. Today is a special episode where I'm sharing five things I've learned while coaching on intuitive eating. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you guys know about a couple of things. First, my high level group coaching program enrollment has one spot left and it's closing. Enrollment's closing this coming weekend on August 1st. The group starts. Next week on August 2nd. Um, So if you are someone who's been practicing intuitive eating for a while, you're feeling much better in terms of your relationship to food in many ways. But now you really are feeling called to work on the body image stuff, work on supporting and taking care of your health and your body from a non-diet lens this is the group for you. Um, The best way to to get in on this group and snag this last spot is to reach out to me on Instagram at theintuitive__rd and we can chat and get you into that group. The other thing I want to mention is that I have just opened Pre enrollment for my August master classes. So, if you've been following my stuff for a while, you probably know that I do a couple master classes a month at least. Um, so, the master classes for August are currently in pre enrollment at the rate of $25 per master class. That will increase to $30 after this coming weekend when enrollment officially opens. Um, the two topics for August the first one is why diets don't work and what to do instead. And the second one is basically a crash course in hunger and fullness attunement. So if you are trying to figure out how to reconnect to your body and you really want to know the tools and the skills to best and most quickly get there, uh, that will be the masterclass for you. Alright, guys, so let's go ahead and dive into this conversation around my the things that I've learned in the work with. With all of these intuitive eating coaching clients over the last several years. Um, so, my first thing that I have learned over the past several years working with intuitive eating clients is that most people that I work with, I should specify, most people that come to me that are interested in working on intuitive eating are not eating enough in the earlier part of the day. And if you make that shift, of starting to eat more earlier in the day. And that doesn't mean it certainly does not mean shifting anything about the later part of the day, right? Cuz that that will that's when we kind of bring in restrictive mindset and eliminating and cutting back mindset. We are not going there, but when we can bulk up this earlier part of the day and get that nourishment in that our body truly needs at that time, that will almost instantly impact your behaviors around food the rest of the day, the rest of the week, and in all of those scenarios when you're feeling chaotic around food. Um, So if you do nothing else and you learn nothing else from this episode today, take away a reflection of, do you have opportunities for eating more earlier in the day? Are there times when you're not getting enough in at that time? What I typically see is people... Um, you know, waking up in the morning, not really maybe feeling very hungry. Maybe they um, start on their morning coffee or something like that, or they jump right into the day and things are very chaotic. Both of those things, right? Having the coffee or jumping into a stressful day can suppress your your connection to your hunger cues. It doesn't mean your body's not hungry. It just means that there's that, that disconnection going on. Um, that does not mean necessarily... So in the case of the coffee, right, it doesn't mean don't have your coffee or cut back on your coffee, right? Again, that's that's the diet mindset trying to loom in and and do that whole restriction and cutting back thing. It's not about having less coffee. It's about being intentional about getting nourishment in and letting whatever happens with the coffee happen. Um, in terms of the having a really busy, hectic schedule, certainly that might be a red flag to, to kind of like tune into how is this serving me? Are there ways I can, you know, adjust this and, and create more space in my life? But that's kind of a separate separate thing. Uh, the main thing is how can I, even within the context of my busy schedule, make sure that I'm prioritizing getting nourishment in? Um, and that might look like setting alarms on your phone for, you know, to give you a reminder to have a morning snack or even to have breakfast or to have lunch Um, it might mean carving out time in your work schedule because you don't typically, you know, really take a lunch break. Um, so there's many ways that this can look like. Um, but if you are someone where you're sitting there like, yeah, I definitely could, um, There's definitely opportunity for me to have more nourishment earlier in the day. And especially if you're somebody who is saying that and you're like, I feel so chaotic around food as the day goes on, you know, mid-afternoon into the night, I just, doesn't matter if I'm full or not, I'm going to keep going through the pantry. If that is you, this is totally my my tip for you right here. And it will for sure um, transform how you're behaving around food. Okay, second thing that I've learned in my work uh, with coaching clients on intuitive eating is that head hunger is valid and important. I This is coming to mind for me today because... I, um, for those of you who've been following me for a while, you might know that my first job as a dietitian was in weight loss surgery. This was certainly before I, you know, kind of really transformed my work and started practicing from a health at every size and intuitive eating lens. But I come now with that knowledge of that patient population. And I do currently work with a lot of patients that are post-weight loss surgery, trying to heal their relationship to food in their bodies. And this conversation has come up of like, when you're having weight loss surgery all of the surgeons and people saying that head hunger is something to be avoided and push it away and like don't honor it essentially right it's this thing it's like it's not valid and that drives me absolutely nuts because head hunger especially in the case of after weight loss surgery is your body trying to fight to give you fight to give you a signal that it needs nourishment In the case of weight loss surgery, that's again, it's kind of exponentially true, but it's true for all of us as well. If we've been disconnected from our physical cues of hunger, because we're so busy and stressed because we're, you know, having all of this coffee or, um, doing other things that might suppress our appetite or just have chronically dieted and therefore are not connected to our, our cues for hunger, um, then head hunger and your, your mind telling you, Hey, I want food. What do we have in the the fridge downstairs? Is your body fighting to try to communicate to you that it needs nourishment? So again, um, main point here with the head hunger is when you start thinking about food, that is your body trying to tell you that it needs food. Um, And there's a lot of nuance here. There's a lot of nuance here. But I would encourage you to err on the side of assuming that you truly need nourishment when your body is giving you that that cue in, in that mental head hunger type of way, um, and I will prom- I, I can promise you that if you lean into that, you will see your behaviors around food shifting. And I know that there can be a lot of fear in that, right? There can be a lot of fear in honoring head hunger because we've been told it's invalid that. Eating outside of quote-unquote physical hunger is going to result in, you know, all of this endless weight gain. And and again, there's just so much fear tied up in that. And also, if you lean into it, I promise you um, that you will form this connection with your body that you don't currently have and that you will um, find, find it much easier and intuitive to honor cues for hunger and fullness. Okay, thing number three. Most people, again, most people that I work with, get stuck thinking that they're giving themselves full permission to eat when they're not actually giving themselves full permission to eat. I can't tell you how many discovery calls I have with clients and they're like, oh, no, full permission is not my problem. My problem is that I give myself so per- so much permission around food and I can't stop eating things and whatever. And I keep all the things in the house and I eat it all the time and that's my problem. Most people think that they're giving themselves full permission to eat, and what they're actually giving themselves is conditional permission. It's permission to eat this food with a hefty side of guilt and shame, and I should compensate for this tomorrow, and I'm being so bad for doing this, and ooh, I can have this today, but I really shouldn't do this every day. Whether or not you actually compensate tomorrow with extra movement or eating differently or not, right? Whether or not you actually compensate or actually follow through on these things is mostly irrelevant because it's the mindset that is the problem here. That mindset of telling yourself, ooh, this is bad. I shouldn't do this. I should be better. Ooh, this isn't good. This is going to result in weight gain, blah, blah, blah. That is, is what's the problem here. So if you think you're giving yourself full permission, but you still have all these guilty, shameful thoughts, especially that are just like bombarding you while you're you're trying to enjoy this food, you are not truly really giving yourself full permission. And what we need to do is work on the mindset and the beliefs, the core beliefs that you have around food. Until, the, until you do that, you won't really be able to embrace full permission and this not giving yourself permission scenario will continue to impact the way that you're behaving around food, the way that you're showing up around food in a way that is creating chaos and making it impossible for you to make choices from a place of what actually sounds good, what actually will feel good in your body. You can't make choices from that place if you are being clouded by all of these shoulds and shouldn'ts, goods and bad judgments around food. Thing number four, connecting with others on this journey is so ridiculously healing. The more that I have done this work, the more that I'm realizing that group programs are essential to this work because you feel like you're on a little island when you're trying to do this work. And I love, don't get me wrong, I love my one-on-one coaching client work. And there is such a, a need for that as well, right? Because in the group setting, you don't get that individualized attention. And um you can't get that individualized like guidance and support. However that connection to other people who get it and hear, yeah, it's so, it's so hard to, to do this in the middle of diet culture. It's so hard to be trying to reject dieting and reject the pursuit of weight loss. When every turn you take, you have people telling you whether it's in a doctor's appointment or it's at a family gathering, you have people telling you that weight loss is the way to go. Weight loss is the responsible thing to do. Cutting things out and eliminating is the way to go. And if you just tried harder and had more willpower, right? All of that. If you don't have people who get it and reject that toxic mentality, you will continue to be kind of pulled back and sucked back into the the cultural norms and that's not your fault that is just part of being human so um I guess my my tip with this is to find ways to connect with others on this journey and th- you know that might not be where you're at in this moment but somewhere on your journey it will really be be important to go that way okay tip number five or thing number five that I've learned in my coaching with uh, with intuitive eating clients is that you can you can take the power out of the foods you feel chaotic around by shifting the way that you're typically experiencing them. So let's say that ice cream is like your, I'm gonna say fear food, but really maybe it's the food that you you know you have around all the time, but um, you always feel chaotic around it, you always feel out of control. You, you kind of like portion it out and you're really careful about it because you know if you just gave yourself permission, like true full permission, you would just like eat it all instantly. Um, so maybe that that's like your, your fear food. Maybe you typically have it like after your long stressful days, after your dinner, and then you're sitting on the couch and watching your Netflix, and that's when you, you take out the ice cream. If this is a scenario that you are resonating with, um, take that ice cream and integrate it into parts of your day that you normally would not. And again, I'm just going to like reinforce this a million times. This does not mean not having it at night. This does not mean, okay, I had it earlier in the day. So that means I don't, I can't have it at night. No, 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 no. We are working from an additive lens here with intuitive eating. We are never working from a restrictive cutting out, eliminating lens. Take the food's that you feel chaotic around and integrate them into your life in ways that you don't normally experience them. So have the ice cream for a mid-morning snack after, or maybe after your mid-morning snack or with your mid-morning snack, have it after your lunch. Um, The one like asterisk here is in most cases, it makes sense to um, do this in a nourished state, right? So rather than integrating it like as your lunch meal, having ice cream as your lunch meal, especially if you're like super ravenous, um, incorporating it into that meal and and having other nourishment alongside it. Um, this will take the power out of this food because you have been relating to this food in this very specific way. And likely there's been a lot of guilt and shame and stories around what it means to be having that food in that scenario. Um, maybe it even means that you hide and sneak certain foods, right? You grab these certain candies and have them in this specific way and poke your head out of the kitchen, make sure your husband's not watching, whatever it looks like. So take that food out of that scenario, put it in a different situation, um, and do that multiple times in multiple ways. Um, and, and watch how your behavior around that food transforms. One last piece of advice with this is that if if it's something like ice cream or candy or chips, narrow it down to one specific kind um, because you will notice your behavior shifting quicker if you are narrowed down in that way. Okay, guys, those are the five things that I have learned working with intuitive eating clients over the last several, several years. I really hope something in here resonated for you. Um, once again, just wanna remind you that I have August masterclass offerings currently in pre-sale mode. They're closing, the pre-sale phase is closing this coming weekend on August 1st. So get them for $25 each if they interest you. Again, it's diets don't work and what to do instead. And the second one is hunger and fullness attunement. And then if you're interested in my high level group program, if you want to grab that last spot in, in that group, um, reach out to me on Instagram at the underscore RD, send me a message, let's chat about it and get you inside. I hope you guys have a good rest of your week and I will chat with you soon.